That's right, we're doing it again. Season four of TK's A Brigade. I am TK, your host, and we have been doing this special edition music series. This week, I invited a friend from back in the day. His name is Nate. He is an old school friend and a talented drummer. He was part of a band that I would still listen to today called George's August Brew. But Nate's doing some new things. So we're going to dive into Nate's career a little bit and see what he's up to today. So stay tuned for that. Tune in here on TK's A Brigade. So I decided I was going to do a music series in season four, and I reached out to all of my musician friends, ones that tour, ones that have done some pretty big things in the music industry, and I wanted to get their story, get their journey, and one of those people was my good friend Nate Brown, and I was able to get him on the phone tonight and actually have a discussion with him about his journey through music and where he's at today. So, Nate, why don't you go ahead and say hi. Hello, how you doing? Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, how you started playing music and where you started and just kind of give me your uh, your background a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I, I, I always liked music. <laughs> I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, growing up there, I was in uh, choirs in the church growing up and did some singing and I, uh, knowing that I liked music, but I was not overly musically inclined, I always liked the drums. Uh, something that I could beat on and make sense to myself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. But, uh, so, you know, I was always into the music, but I, I, it wasn't until uh, uh, 16, almost 17, when I finally got a drum set. And wow. that, came a, that came about uh, for me, you know, air drumming on my legs for my whole life watching my dad air drum he didn't play drums but he always played the steering wheel so i emulated that yeah uh i i started you know taking a major interest in the drums and i got to know the drummers at my church and uh all the guys together owned this large drum set at the church and everybody had different parts of it as i got to know them they allowed me to come in in the afternoon so i'd go and uh I'd go in and just beat on, the, on their drums in the afternoons. So that's how I learned how to play drums. I just went in and beat on things. One day my mom came in and heard that and uh, went home. And she, she thought the band was practicing. Went to see what was going on and just saw that it was me on the drums. So went and talked to my dad. They got me a drum set and I started, started actually trying to learn. <laughs> nice. Making noise. Uh, my dad gave me some records I played along to. Uh, one of the first things I learned to play was the full 17 minute in a gata de vita by iron wow. butterfly with the wow. full drum solo so that helped out a little bit that's like that's, deep that's, end kind of thing you just dive into yeah, the deep end that's, yeah that's what i had so i just learned you know it wasn't it wasn't as good of course then but uh that's what i learned learned to play to yeah uh, from there i met a buddy in school uh we started a band called robot <laughs> It was just kind of a pop pop rock type thing. Um, and so I, I, thought, I did that, and then we did that for about a year uh, as I just tried to learn how to play. And then I left for college. And that took many, couple years, and then uh, you know, I didn't play for quite a few years. And then, well, I met a band called George's August Brew. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, All right, so real quick. All right, all right yeah. time out. So... So you grew up in Alaska. You grew up kind of yeah, in the church, yeah. a music in church. Because I did the same thing. I grew up. Yeah. That's how I learned how to to really listen to music was their church music. So how old were you when you came to Colorado? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, so you're almost out of your teens. You're getting into your twenties, and you come to Colorado. And 
George's August Brew, bro, because that's where I remember you. That's where I started yep. to know who you well, are. That was, you know, that was oh uh, Colorado '95, and I, I, I didn't so play did I. for quite a few years. Okay, you know, I, I was going to school. I didn't know playing is what I was even really going to do. I'd only been playing drums a couple of years at that point. Yeah, so I, I just I played a little bit with some friends. I didn't play shows. I didn't do much. But then, yeah, uh, up comes what was it? Was it 2000? Yeah, George's August Brew. This band from North Dakota moved to Fort Collins, and I accidentally ran into them and saw them, and really liked it. And they didn't have a drummer. And the journey began. I remember the first time I saw you play. Yeah, yeah. man, because you guys, you guys got booked at Archers in Fort Collins. Yes, yes. And um, you guys came in, and 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 I'm like, who's these guys? Because you guys reminded me of like a, a mixture of like Mercy Me meets the the Counting Crows meets Dave Matthews. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I like that. And I remember you bring it in your kit, and I was like, "All right, you know," because again, I grew up in the in the music and church and stuff, and so anytime I saw musicians, you know, I always wanted to be like where they were, and I wanted to know what was going on. And you guys set up, and man, you guys got up there, and you guys just lit the house on fire, man. <laughs> like. I still have a demo, or I don't even know if it's a demo, but I still have a record, like a CD of your guys live. I think it was at um, the Diamond Pub. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diamonds, that, uh, that sounds very familiar. We, we definitely played a lot of shows there, and uh, there were things recorded. There's recordings that pop up randomly from different people, uh-huh. but I have no, I've not... I don't even know. <laughs> like, where did that come from? <laughs> right? I actually have a group of friends that live in Ohio that lived here in Colorado for about 15 years. And uh, the wife of my one of my best friends, uh, she's actually one of my best friends too, but uh, her and I both worked at Archer's. And she okay. told the crew from Ohio, because there was nine of them that moved out here, one <laughs> night she said, you have to come to Fort Collins and you have to see this band, George's August Brew. And I didn't even know, like, I, I didn't know that she was into that style of music, right? Because I didn't really know her too well. Right, right. And I had, I had met her husband, like, separate from her, so I didn't even know they were married or they were in a relationship, they weren't married. <laughs> but he shows up with this crew of nine people to one of your shows and, dude, I could guarantee you, I could call them right now, bro, and be like, hey, what's one of the, your most favorite bands from back in the day in Fort Collins? And I guarantee you all nine of them would say George's August Brew. Like, nice. They followed you guys around. And oh, when man. you guys, like, I don't know if you broke up or just whatever happened with the band, but they were so, like, I mean, we would talk about it. We would sit around and we would just have discussions about it. And, I mean, just because you guys were, like, you, were, the sound you guys created was just, yeah, it was really just unique. And, yeah. Yeah, I loved it, man. So where where did your music career take you from there? Uh, after, you know, after George's August Brew, which to this day I, I, I miss, that was such an amazing group. I, I don't even know how what happened, but, but, it, but it happened. Right. <laughs> but uh, from there I took a couple years off. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I was okay. just, uh, I didn't know what to do. I barely played. I ended up joining Patchwork Blue okay. uh, with that band for like four, four and a half years. Wow. And it was a, it was a similar, similar style in music. Okay. Especially towards the end of Patchwork Blue, it was acoustic guitar, bass, drum, saxophone, you know, very, very similar along, you know, George Zagas Brew with a, more of an electric side of it on the end. All right, so a little edgier then. Little, maybe, maybe a little edgier. Okay, I don't even nice. know if that's the wording, but uh, you know, I did that for a long time. So I, you know, I kind of stayed stayed in that realm of music. I don't know what we call it, but it was uh, very enjoyable. <laughs> 
I know what you're talking about for sure. But yes, I did that for quite a while. Um, and then, then there was a break. There was a lull in what I was doing. I, I, uh, I jumped into some metal for a minute. Uh, I, wow. I worked with a uh, helped start Wither Inspire uh, for Collins metal band that was around for a while and uh, did that. And I was having a blast with that. And I was uh, at that point, I was working with anybody and everybody I could. I, I ended up working with a band called the Danger Brothers. Um, and that was James Danger, who is now passed, but he was, uh, we kind of reincarnated his music and his band's music from the 70s and early 80s when they were touring the Midwest full-time with you know, Van Halen and Ozzy Osbourne. And I learned a lot from him, and then from that I met Marla Stone. Oh, Marla Stone. I know her very yeah, well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Marla, yeah, Marla and I got to be very good friends, and uh, you know, she took a, a, a hiatus from not being in the music industry and uh, helped me out for quite a while, and uh, we, we just grinded and we talked and we ran a jam together and uh with jesse lee uh the, the three of us kind of did this jam thing for a couple years where i learned how to play with anybody and everybody because i had to back anybody that walked in which was amazing i love the open mics bro those were always so versatile yeah that that's where i learned to you know to listen and play with people and really learn the versatility and so I did that for a couple of years, and I started learning blues stuff. And then, uh, then a couple of years later, I got the phone call from a friend asking if I'd heard of Harley and the V Twins. Oh, Harley! Yeah, and, brother. Yeah, and, I know uh, Harley. You know, turns out you know I'd heard of them. They were looking for a drummer, and she made a call, got me an audition. I went and tried out, and the next thing I know, I was on the road for about a year with Harley, <laughs> right off the bat. Like, uh, and that, good lord, what I learned from that, uh, you know. And that was, I wasn't a country player at that point. I would have probably still taken myself out the back door and had some words with me if I said I listened to country. Right, right. <laughs> but you were playing that style, right? So you were with the Harley and the V Twins. You guys are touring, and yeah. it's not. It wasn't really like your first. Um, if, if someone gave you an opportunity to say, "Hey, here's three different styles of music to play. We'll pay you equal amount for all three. Country was probably not the one you were going to pick, but at the time, no, it was it was no. giving you that opportunity to tour yes. and and to play and and so you guys are on like the Midwest circle or circuit. You guys are kind of touring around the Midwest. Was it all like the whole country? Like, did you go out no. of country? No, um, started things out. Um and with Harley, and, and we ended up for quite a long time doing it, it was mostly uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska, Montana. It was the oil circuit. Oh, okay, okay. With, with the oil boom. So, we, you know, we'd go out. We'd go out for seven weeks and then come home for a week. Wow. You know, we'd go out for six weeks and we'd come home for a week. Then we'd go out for five weeks and come home for two weeks. Just and that's what we did for the grinding. first year. Yeah, yeah, first year straight. That right. was, you know, in some, a lot of the same places, but we just we circled and they'd have us playing. You know, we were playing five to eight days a week. <laughs> you know, wow. Not so knowing just if we do, you know, some doubles, nonstop, full time oh, work. You know, 150, 170 shows a year. Just playing, just playing country, just grinding, playing. And, you know, when we're not playing, we weren't coming home. It's a 15 hour drive. We, we had band houses all over the state of North Dakota. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of so, those. You know, so we'd you have, just we'd take just a break. Had, and, yeah. Yeah. We'd, you know, and we'd, we'd have one certain house 
uh, one place that would be, you know, posted up at for, you know, a month, month or two and just eat and play that, that region for a little bit and then move to the next band house or something inside of the state. And we could cover that part of the state for those few weeks. Uh, so that was just nonstop, nonstop going. You know, I learned a ton, learned a ton working out yeah. with Harley there for sure. That's crazy. What what year do you like? What what year did you start with Harley? Like, do you remember the year? Thirteen. So 2013. Yep. Okay. Uh, so here uh, I want to say started with him in March. So we're almost at ten years of uh, full time touring and playing with people. So now, are you still with Harley or what? Uh, no, no, okay. no. Uh, Harley, I did it for about a year, and then I, I left him. Uh, we left, you know, good terms, buddies. I ended up going, um, leaving that for a little bit, and I got a phone call from Bradley Schroeder, who at the time had a uh, top 40 uh, popping on, on the charts coming out of Nashville. So I ended up going out with him for about nine months to, or ten months a year, something like that. Okay. So we got, and that was, you know, um, not, not fully national, but California to Tennessee. So pretty close. You know, that was a, a full time for a year. And that was doing country, a lot of covers and doing his originals, of course. And uh, then when I got home from that tour, I called Harley and mentioned that I was, you know, looking for work if he knew anybody. And things just worked out. And about a week later, I was on the road with him again. <laughs> oh wow! So you went from Harley to another artist, and then yep. you came back and you went. So you kind of took a break, and then you came back yep. and started working with Harley again. Yeah, because yep. I think you guys uh, at that point, like you had done some Greeley Stampede shows with Harley, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I think I'd seen you guys out there a time or two. Yep. And what's funny is that when I, I think the first time I saw you, I, I was watching and I was like, I think I know that guy. You know, and you don't ever want to like just come up to somebody, hey, what's up, man? You know, and you're like, who right. are you, bro, right? I know for a fact now that it was you because you ended up playing drums at some point, one of those years with my good friend, uh, Michael Sonny Slints and yes. uh, Christopher Snowball Smith. Yeah, we did that for, uh, with Chris, we did it for one year, 13 days. Oh, I remember at, that. Uh, daily at the Stampede, yep. multiple oh, shows a man. day. And then uh, Grinding. the next year, Sonny and I put together a group and did the same thing again. Yes. Uh, 13 days straight. And yeah, you'd, you'd seen me with Harley before that. And then uh, around that time when I started doing that with those guys, with the uh, Brian Thomas uh, and the Mercenaries popped out. And yes. Put our national song out. So that was, that was it was nonstop grinding. <laughs> and that was so Jesse Lee was playing bass for Brian, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, yes Jesse and okay. I, because I had Jesse was out. Uh, Jesse and I were together. We started, uh, he was part of the Danger Brothers group when I joined that with our mentor. Uh, so from there on, he and I worked quite a bit together. Uh, ended up getting him on with uh, Harley and the V Twins. So it was Harley, Jesse, and I for almost a year on the road, which was just fantastic. Oh, man, that sounds And then, fun. Uh, like I say, then Brian Thomas, uh, we built from that after, after we left uh, Harley. And Brian was right away immediately. And that's when we uh, hit the studio in Charlotte for a couple of weeks and wrote the album. And took the, took what Brian had and added to it with what we were able to come up with and came up with our our single that actually broke the top hundred, which was very nice. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's uh, so that that happened. And then uh, then yeah, I did the uh, the thirteen day runs. Oh God, how many twenty six plus shows and 
at least two a days was sunny. Oh, <laughs> just I remember those grinders though, bro. Snowball like, for man, oh, yeah, dude, just nonstop. Like you got to wonder though, like at what point does your brain just turn to mush, and you're in the middle of a beat, and you're like, oh, am I even playing the right song, right? Because it's just nonstop, man. That's what's what's turned what it's turned into for me with how much I'm playing. That's pretty much what life is now. Just nonstop. So when you went to the studio, when you like when you recorded with Brian, was that your first time recording, or had you recorded with uh, people before that? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I'd been in the studio with multiple bands at that point. Uh, okay. I think I did three or four, maybe five albums with Patchwork Blue, uh, and then multiple bands. Other times that I've sat in and done recordings, and by that point, I. I, I was starting my my sessions work at that point, so I started sitting in with multiple people. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, I remember one time after George's August Brew, I actually came to your house, and you had your drum kit. I think it was set up in the dining room. I believe uh, if it was it was after a Georgia show, it was in the dining room. Yes. But I remember yes. coming over and hanging out with you, and I, w- I was like, hey, man, can I sit on your kit? And you kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, can you play? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> and I just remember sitting down and just, you know, playing on your kit. And, and what's funny, and this is what I learned at a young age, especially with drummers, of all the instruments, all the, the musicians that I've worked with, drummers are the most particular about their instrument, which, you know, rightly so, right? And I never understood the the importance of where placement was either a hi-hat or a snare or a rack tom or even a floor tom until like I sat down on my former drummer uh, from Switchback, uh, Eric Timebaum. Uh-huh. I, I used to sneak in on his drum kit at home when he was at work and every day that he would come home and he would be like, Tiny, are you? did you play my drums today? And I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> no, nah, man, it wasn't me, man. He was like, yeah, you did. I'm like, how yeah, do you know you that? He's like, bro, my snare has moved, my rack tom on the, my my sixteen inch rack tom, bro, it's t- turned like a quarter inch, and I'm like, seriously, and so yeah. from then on. But anyways, the, the the just the good memory, like you let me sit on your kit, and I just remember, man, it was just like it was in perfect position, everything was where it should be, and it was just so fun to play, but. Anyways, so here we are. So you're playing, you know, you're playing 25 hours a day, eight days a week. And I mean, have you at this point, did you get any opportunity for a break at all? Or were you just like from gig to show to studio, like like, like sleeping in your car kind of thing? Oh, no, no. I've always, I've always got hotel rooms at least. No, I know. I was being <laughs> facetious, but I, I'm just saying no, like, that's, so that's, you're that's, so busy. You know, it's you been know? that way. It's been that way for years now. I got home, I got off tour a month ago, and I was supposed to have a month off, and in that time I played 12 gigs. I actually shut my phone off, took a, took a week and a half off, and I fly out, uh, what are we, today's Monday, I fly out Wednesday for a couple of weeks on the East Coast here coming up. Now, who are you currently with? Multiple people, I just do fill-in work, but I'm uh, flying out, uh, the last tour I was on, this tour I'm leaving on right now is with uh, Celtica Nova, which is the U.S. side of Celtica Pipes Rock, which is a European uh, instrumental bagpipe rock and metal band. Nice. So do you have any room in your bag for me? <laughs> All right, so let's get this uh, clear. You're leaving Wednesday for tour for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. we'll be out in uh, Pennsylvania, New York, and Connecticut for the next couple of weeks. Then come home for the holiday, and then we turn around and fly to Florida for a couple of weeks. 
and then come home for the holiday. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds so rough, man. Like I, and I say that with so much love because that has always been a dream of mine. You know, you go like you play in one like city, and then you get on the bus or you get in the van or whatever you know transportation that you're in at that time, and you know you go to sleep and you yep. wake up and you're in a different city, and you're like, oh, where am I at now? But I've always that's always been a dream of yeah. mine. So I'm hoping someday that I get to live that dream. But I mean, that's exciting, man. That's that's um, you know. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, I was able to take my girlfriend uh, Stacy out to Hawaii oh, wow. a few weeks ago because wow. I was on tour, and uh, you know, I was I did a couple shows out in Hawaii, but with that came a week long vacation that was put into the into I the mean, tour. French benefits, it right? Happened to be our 15 yeah. year anniversary of you know hanging out, so I was able to fly her out for a couple of days. You know, that's that's another bonus to tour. It's it's a lot of. I get to see places I wouldn't see, and every once in a while I get to meet up with family or fly family or fly my girlfriend out to meet me in these places, get a little vacation in, which is just amazing because I get it—that half of my job, that half of my pay is vacation. That's a worthwhile <laughs> payoff for sure, especially since it's a part of your job already. You get to tour and uh, play music and hang out. That's awesome. That is that is a major part of my pay. You know, I don't pay for my travel. I don't pay for lodging. I don't. I get to see things that a lot of people never get to see in their life, and that's that's my job. Right. That's your job. That's your living. <laughs> that's awesome. awesome. I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. I got a couple more questions for you, and then we're going to be out of time. Sure. Yeah. So my first question is. Who is your biggest influence when it comes to drums? Is of all the drummers in the world, who is your biggest influence and why? I don't think it's ever changed. I think we've talked about this. Carter Beaufort of Dave Matthews Band. Yes. Dude, I love <laughs> Carter, man. He's one of my all time favorites too, bro. I mean, he's I know he's, no, but I mean I love he's it, man. Overly versatile. The guy can play oh. all four possible ways to play drums, open and closed, right hand, right? left hand. It's on his head I mean good grief he's the guy, just yeah. incredible and for some reason I mean I'm, I'm nowhere close to him let's be real but I I, for, I took to him he's who stood out to me and where I learned so much from I mean if the guy can play any style of music is good or better than anybody and that's you know I've kind of tried to take that that's you know, I'll be out. I'm out on the rock and metal tour. I'll be back, going out, leaving and going and play country, and then I'll get back and I'm going to go play hip hop, and then I'm going to come back and go play some blues, and I'm going to go back out on a metal tour. You know, but I, I, that that guy, his his style, his playing, the way he plays, his passion, uh, it's just the, something about him always stood out to me, and so I, I tried to I tried to learn from him and tried to emulate him a little bit. Yeah. Bedford, man, I, I agree with you 100%. And it's funny because, you know, I've asked multiple drummers over the years, like, you know, who's your biggest influence? And, you know, I've gotten everybody from Travis Barker to um, Tommy Lee to Neil Peart. Uh, you know, some have said uh, Lars Ulrich. But I, I'll be honest with you. I completely agree with you. Like, if you were to compare... All of those drummers, which are fantastic, oh, they're all drummers, on my like list. Phenomenal, all guys. on my list of top. Right, so I agree. You know, plus Buddy Rich. Yes, and, you know, yes. That's a whole oh, other world, though. Yeah. That's a whole oh, other world, without question. <laughs> that's a completely different realm. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, I agree. Right, but Carter Beaufort. I mean, I, I remember watching a video live when they played Folsom oh, Field years yeah. ago, and uh, Ants Marching. 
And this was the first time I had really heard Dave Matthews, right? So I didn't really know who he was. I mean, I had heard about him, but I didn't really know his music, and I didn't really know anything about his band or anything of his back, you know, story. But I'm watching this video, and, you know, Carter's back there, and he's, you know, dun uh-huh. Right, and the song starts, and and he just does that 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 fill, and it's and it's so uh-huh. effortless, his fills, and I'm like, this dude is disgustingly <laughs> sick, and he wasn't, and he's like chomping gum, like you know, like playing triplets, and then like he does his fill off his rack toms onto his yeah. four toms back to his hi hat snare, and it was like he didn't even like try <laughs> to do it. So I'm with you on that, bro. I'm yeah, that's totally funny that you you bring up ants marching as the song that was a. Uh... That was the song inspiration in my head for the song that you knew from George's August Brew of uh, Gibbons back in the day. Really? Oh, man. I love it, dude. I love how great minds think alike, bro. For sure. For sure. All right. My last question to you is this, and it's kind of a two-part question. So first part of the question is, what is the biggest show as far as audience goes that you've ever played? Probably about 15,000. Okay. Where, and where was it? Milwaukee Irish Fest. Milwaukee Irish Largest Fest. Irish okay. Fest. Was it a headline uh, gig? No. Or? Um, wow. No, there were still bands after us. Um, we were uh, we were second. We were like main support, basically, for a couple nights. Uh, this festival in Milwaukee is held at their fair, their party grounds where they've got... God, we didn't even use the uh, 15,000 amphitheater or the 40,000-person arena. It still had six you know, stages that can hold up to 20,000 people, I think, on it. A huge, huge fairgrounds, the largest Irish festival in the world. So, uh, Kelsko was invited my first year playing with them to go, uh, go and play it and set in for another band that's a regular there. And it was amazing. And the crowds were insane. That's amazing. I love that. Okay. Second part of the first question, or the, the last question, I should say. Uh, what was the best or the most memorable venue that you've ever played? You know, that's, oh boy. I'd almost have to go with the same place just because of the, the crowds were so immense and in, incredible. Uh, just unforgettable the, 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 the power felt on the stage from the crowd. I, I love it, man, because to be honest, it's funny. You know, I've asked that question to a few different artists, and, and it's funny because typically the best show that they've ever played is typically the 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 same like in the same venue right right so if, if they played a certain venue then like like my friend uh todd funk i i interviewed last week and i asked him the same question and his response was madison square garden was his favorite and i was like is that was that the biggest show and he was like no but it was the it was my most favorite show because i had dreamed about it you know oh, yeah. in kansas and he dreamed about it as a kid once he started playing music. And he was like, I never thought I was going to get to play there. And then I remember walking out on stage and, in in, you know, it was a sold out audience. And here I am in Madison Square Garden. So we're out of time tonight, yeah. man. But I, I appreciate you coming on with me and uh, just chopping it up, bro. And uh, I'd love to connect with you soon, man. And uh, even if we just sat down and, you know, drank some coffee and, you know, just, just connected, bro, that would be awesome. That would be great. It's been a very long time. Yes, sir. It has. Well, you're, uh, you're. You said you're leaving for New York on Wednesday, man. So, uh, good luck with your travels, man. And uh, uh, yeah, man, enjoy yourself. And uh, when you get back, yeah, let's try to connect and uh, and see what uh, maybe we can do some music together. You never know. Yeah, that, that would be great. I would love that. That would be great. All right. Well, you've been listening to TK's A Brigade with my man Nate. 
Uh, you can check us out on Anchor, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Go like and subscribe. Leave a question or a comment for Nate because I guarantee you that I will pass that along to him and uh, we can maybe get him back on here uh, in the new year uh, finding out what he's doing with his tour. Yeah. So, Nate, thank you for jumping on with me tonight, bro. That was awesome. Thanks, brother. That was, that was, thank you. All right. So until next time, people, take it easy. <laughs>